welcome back to the Forever Young podcast. We release episodes on the first of every month. If you're new here, feel free to subscribe and follow us to keep up to date with our uploads. I'm Charlene and I'm joined by Tom. Hello. Hello. How have you been? I've been very good. I have particularly enjoyed this book, so I'm in a good mood at the moment. How are you? I'm good as well. It's been a very busy month or a few months, I think, for both of us. So it's nice to be able to get together and to just chat and discuss this book. So the next book that we're reading, the episodes actually, well, it'll be three parts to it and it'll go over three episodes just because it's a very big and comprehensive book. So we've done kind of one section per episode um, for this. So what's our book for this month or this series? So this series we're doing it is called Shen. It's the psycho-emotional aspect of Chinese medicine by Eliza Rossi. It's oh, I love this book so far. It's it's pretty much a book that focuses on the psycho-spiritual aspects of patients' conditions, and it gives and facilitates practitioners like formulations for how to diagnose, how to treat patients, and all that sort of stuff as well. So the three sections that we're going to be doing, it's the first section is mostly going to be talking about um, what the background theory of what the emotions are, what how they sort of encompass, how we can see it from both um, from our Western cultural background and then translate it over into the Chinese medicine and how that actually comes out into manifestations of the body as well. So um, with the Chinese medicine and it, the emotions and the shen and all that sort of stuff it it does boil a lot of the emotions down into five sort of emotions that doesn't mean that other emotions that you might be having will sort of subtract from those kind of emotions these five emotions that it really really dives deep into is sort of the root cause of all the other different emotions so for mm-hmm. example the five emotions are anger euphoria thought sadness and fear and through this textbook they say all other sort of other emotions like jealousy or envy or hate or enjoyment love that sort of stuff all kind of stem from a mix of these emotions and they all sort of twist here and there so yeah Charlene did you want to say something? yeah so I think like when we studied it was, we kind of brushed on the surface level. It's like, these are the emotions um, and this is the organ that's connected. But this book kind of goes a bit deeper and it talks about how it like actually affects the movements of chi um, and how like as a practitioner, you can also remedy it and how to kind of like approach approach your patients like um, with communication um, when they are feeling these emotions. Exactly. And it's, something that they talk about even further. I think we talked about this in one of our previous, in probably one of our first books, actually, from the web that has no weaver is the sort of spirit behind these emotions as well. Like behind your spirit is an emotion and behind those emotions is its own spirit of what sparks those kind of emotions from coming. Let's, mm-hmm. I think this is a good time to sort of dive, go into a deep dive of let's actually talk about the interesting things of the book so I guess it started, the book started off with talking about the Tao. I think that's always very common with these kind of reference tech books is that it always talks about how 
um, how to be a good practitioner. And these are the things that you should do when trying to treat patients and all that sort of stuff. This book is no different in that kind of aspect where they talk about, uh, they mostly talked about five ways that are prerequisites for becoming a good practitioner, which is mm-hmm. to regulate the shen, to nourish the life, to know properties of the substance, how to prepare uh, points for from different types of dimension, dimensions and diagnose organ, blood and chi and all that sort of stuff that we've mm-hmm. covered throughout every single book pretty much as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it also talks a little bit about like the difference um, between like ancient man and modern man and how like modern man, there's more worries, um, which is why the emotions and the Shen is so much more like relevant to look at um, in modern times. And then um, they go a little bit into like Yang Shen, which is nurturing life. And then like they talk a little bit about qigong and um, exercises that you can do to kind of help nourish the shen as well so that's pretty much like the first section of the book like talking about the dao um, and just like nourishing life yeah and we've covered a lot of those episodes as well <laughs> so you can go back and this talks about the, there's a lot more books that are more in-depth about it they just talk about how qigong and stuff can help enrich the shen as well and it's they lightly touch on that sort of stuff how you can help the shen in those kind of lifestyles as well let's Mm -hmm. talk about something that was more interesting for me was sort of the five emotions and how that affects the chi and how chi is such a big aspect of these emotions yeah so the I guess one of the sections goes into like the emotions and the movement of chi and also the organs. Um, so it talks about how um, like anger rises chi and then your euphoria like releases the chi, sadness dissolves the chi, fear descends the chi and fright disorders the chi, thought knots the chi. Yep. And then it also talks about like what um, cold and heat and like fatigue does as well. So like cold contracts the chi, heat overflows the chi and fatigue exhausts the chi. So it's, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a, it's like, ah, what's the difference between tonifying and rising kind of thing? It's like, Mm. it doesn't sound like much, but we'll kind of dive a little bit deeper into that now and what it means by so. I think the first one that you said was um, for rage, chi rises, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if you've ever had this, but have you ever gotten to the point where like that snapping moment for you, where you're so angry to the point where mm-hmm. you can feel all the heat and all the chi rising from your body and you just sort of have to release it all by like yelling or screaming or mm-hmm. some other form of releasing that kind of, that's that's part of that rage or anger, that chi coming mm-hmm. up. That's why the chi tends to rise with the liver. So, yeah. Uh, and it's it's like when people get angry as well, they get like really red-faced or like, you know, the eyes get really red as well. And that's the chi kind of rising up with that emotion. So you can like see it physically in the body as well as kind of feel it when you are angry as well. Like you can see it from the outside when someone is kind of getting angry. Exactly. And that all comes with the sort of understanding that stagnation leads to heat, which leads to the liver uprising as well. So that it, if you didn't know before, I guess it clarifies it a lot now why the chi rises with the heat and you get that young and that hot face that Charlene was talking about before as well. Let's. And then oh yeah. uh, which one would you like to? <laughs> uh, I was just going to go down the list. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to go into, I think, was it euphoria, the next one that you're talking about? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So that's uh, w- what we learned in university was overjoy, I guess you could mm-hmm. say. It's kind of like uh, too much happiness can be a bad thing as well, where mm-hmm. it changes into more of a sporadic kind of happiness where you're bouncing off the walls, you're losing control of your shirt a little bit where uh, it's kind of escaping you and you don't really have a place to ground you anymore because you're so high up in all that sort of environment, uh, anything like that, or emotions, that sort of stuff as well. So for me, when I was reading this, I had a um, a vision that I saw kind of was, uh, who was it? Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Who's the guy who sang Bohemian Rhapsody? Um, I know the like face in He's my got, mind. Like, buck teeth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get back to you. That that yeah. kind of rock star lifestyle where mm. you have so much of a high that you just lose that sense of who you are because it slows down and disperses the chi. Where you have to scatter yourself and your chi so much that there's mm. nothing there anymore because there's the chi is spread too thinly, mm-hmm. and certain conditions like agitation will come up difficulty to concentrate because you have no more anchoring of the chi you can't sleep because your chi can't properly rest and get nourished during the time of sleep and you kind of forget who you really are because you're spreading yourself so thin so i think that's a really interesting one for me when i was reading that sort of emotion and then the next one is the sadness um well for sadness the chi dissolves So this is the lung is the primary function for sadness. Normally, when you talk to these kind of patients, you'll see that they're very evasive or they're very uh, introverted, that kind of where they tend to want to curl up into a ball and they just want to talk really quietly Mm -hmm. because they just don't have that chi. The chi is exhausted. There's nothing to give. So whenever they talk to you, they want to save as much chi as they can. So they'll be very, they'll talk very quietly and be very withdrawn when they sort of talk as well. So it's very common to what we, how we sort of see uh, depression, I guess, is the Western side of depression, reserved, unmotivated, that sort of stuff as well. But we'll talk a little bit more about motivation as well. And it's not just linked to the lungs that has this kind of form of sadness as well. Mm-hmm. And then their next one is fear descends the chi. It's like when you get scared and then you have the urge to go to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Is that just me? No, I think that's everyone. You see everyone like pee their pants when they're like, ah. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Yeah, and that's because it's related to the kidneys, which is obviously in control of the bladder, the urinary bladder. So when it sinks, everything kind of goes, and you just need to, (laughs) that's the only thing sort of working. It's just like, ah, I've got to pee myself. Mm -hmm. The way that he talks about fear in this, uh, she talks about fear, sorry, is that you tend to be more timid as well in this kind of one. It's a little bit different to sadness because the sadness person will be very down, I guess, whereas this one is more sort of frightened. So you'll be like, tell me more about your condition. They'll be like, ah, why are you yelling at me? And they'll sort of shrivel up uh, a little bit. So something that they, they talked about as well is that that fear that you feel is kind of like someone's reaching from behind, like someone's hand is reaching behind you and just grabbing your heart that sort of tension that you feel. It's like Mm -hmm. permanently watching a thriller movie. That's just how they normally are. So something's just gripping the heart from the bottom. And you can ask patients to explain that kind of fear. And this is how they would typically sort of say it. They're always kind of in that fight or flight mode. 
as well. So uh, patients with panic attacks, often you will look through here as well, depending on what kind of panic attacks, but fear is definitely a big component of that sort of stuff as well. And then you talked about sad. We talked about sadness already. Mm -hmm. And then thought chi is knotted. Yeah. So the chi is knotted is involved with the spleen, just like we've probably learned in the past. Uh, spleen is obviously in control of over-worrying, thinking too much. This is a very common thing in modern people nowadays is that there's so much to do. I have to take care of the kids. I have to go to work. I have to create, I have to make food. There's, I have to, all these things to worry about. And this constant thinking will deplete and not the spleen. And obviously the spleen's function is to transform and transport nutrients to the rest of the body. And once that's knotted, things will, won't move. And when things aren't moving, that's when things like fatigue will come into a big play of this sort of stuff. Energy is low. And then that will sort of spiral down into sort of their own sort of over-anxious kind of patients as well. So during this part, uh, she talks about ruminations and overburdening the chi during this time. So it sort of stops the person from being able to do anything once this is sort of excessive because they're thinking too much and it stops the ability for them to perform any actions as well. So you'll often see this in a lot of patients with uh, affected spleens where they're like, I, I have so much to do and I want to do this, but I just can't do it because I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And that's sort of where you look towards the spleen because the spleen's knotted and you need to sort of release that sort of chi before they can start as being to, I've got this plan set out and then this is how I'm going to perform these sort of actions as well. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the, do we need to talk about the cold and the heat and the uh, fatigue? If you wanted to talk about it, I think that's uh, probably a good way to sort of talk about how cold affects the shen. Mm -hmm. It's sort of very similar to how we've sort of touched on it in the past, where cold tends to stagnate things. It slows the chi from being able to move. So when you have that sort of cold stagnation, things aren't going to arrive as quickly. And when that sort of happens, inaction also follows as well. So it's like, oh, oh, oh but it's too cold. And then when you think too much, it's like, oh, I don't want to do anything as well. Whereas heat is kind of the opposite where the heat will tend to rise and then you'll start having problems like liver problems and all that sort of stuff as well, where it kind of disperses too much of the chi from the rising as well. I guess fatigue is sort of a big aspect. They call it the three treasures, which is the shen, the jing, and the chi. And when the chi is depleted or deficient, a lot of those fatigue signs will come up. And obviously with fatigue, there's not going to be any chi. There's not going to be enough chi to perform any of the chi functions for the actual shen to nourish and be able to do their actual actions. So all the emotions are going to get affected when you're fatigued as well. Mm. And then they also talk about kind of um, treating emotions with different emotions. Is that something yes. you want to talk about now? Is it that is. I think just before we talk about that, I, I kind of want to mention a, a secret hidden emotion mm -hmm. as well, which is determination. Mm -hmm. So they cover those five emotions are kind of the biggest ones that contribute. There's also another two more, which is anguish and fright. It's technically seven emotions, but he doesn't quite touch on them until much later in the book is what I believe. Mm -hmm. A hidden emotion that not many people know is determination. So this emotion is often linked to the gallbladder and it's sort of like a catalyst it's there but it's not really there it's there to help move things to make things work so it's 
it's the decision maker for the body. So when you have a weak gallbladder, things tend to be very, uh, you can't make the right choice to carry out the action. So you're very apprehensive. You're uncomfortable with making a decision. You talk to people, they'll be like, uh, I'm not sure. Like, can you decide for me, please? Because I don't know what mm -hmm. I'm to do. I can't do anything. So it's kind of like the judge with his hammer. It's the one that stamps it, starts the process of like, all right, we've, we've created a plan. We've thought out what we need to think. It's time to act. And the gallbladder is there to be the hammer to mm -hmm. start that sort of action for it to all sort of go. Mm -hmm. So it's the final decision because it supports all the cheese to begin to arise. That's what she, how she mentions in the book yeah. as well. It's, mm. they also mention it's kind of like the Xiaoyang. It's the beginning of the yang. So you can use that, to do, uh, keep that in mind when you're looking to sort of use formulas and acupuncture points to treat the gallbladder. If you find that your patients aren't having problems with uh, doing with determination and their motivation as well. Mm -hmm. So she points out specifically as well, gallbladder 34 is a great point for treating apprehension and fear in those patients as well. So great point to add. I think, I think it's, it's, it's such a powerful point that it's like, oh, you may as well just add one extra point to treat those, mm -hmm. those kind of conditions as well. Yeah. You pretty much covered everything I was going to say. <laughs> ah, sorry. Did I so, steal all the stuff no, that you're going to say? All good. Yeah. I think the part about like, the gallbladder and the Xiaoyang was really interesting that the Xiaoyang is the beginning of the yang. So it kind of, it's that initial movement before all the other emotions kind of can get to work. So it's that decision to like start something, which is the, always the hardest part. So I think everyone can benefit from gallbladder 34 and just strengthening the gallbladder. Especially when there's so many things to do, you don't even know which one to start with, you know? Mm -hmm. like, yeah. Ooh. I think that's a really good point that you mentioned the start of the young into mm -hmm. uh, a later section when we cover the hun and the po as well. Mm -hmm. um, before we go into that, I, I wanted to talk about sort of uh, the five elements. I think that's always a big part in uh, emotions and dealing with that sort of stuff as well, just because uh, each element has a associated organ as well as an associated emotion tied to it. And how to treat these emotions is by looking at the five different elements. So we've covered this before in a previous podcast, but I'll quickly just go through this as well. So the sadness is for liver. Uh, sorry, the sadness is for lung. Liver mm -hmm. is for anger. Heart is for overjoy. Lung is for sadness. Kidney is for fear. Thought is for spleen. I think that's that's all of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah, so those organs are corresponded with the elements that we've previously mentioned before as well. Yeah. So something I found particularly interesting about what they mentioned in the book is that you can use, if the patient's feeling particularly angry, you can use an, a different element or a different emotion to talk to the patient to help reduce that or tonify it for those kind of mm -hmm. emotions. So for example, um, if you're trying to treat someone who's very angry, which is the liver, you must use mm -hmm. sadness to ton to sort of help with the patient's anger. So you must talk to the patient with sad, painful, and bitter words to sort of bring down that chi that they might mm -hmm. be feeling. Very similar to um, people who are euphoric or overjoy uh, to use that to treat people with sadness, which is the lung. Mm -hmm. So 
if they're very sad, you want to bring up the chi, the chi that's sinking. You want to bring up the chi with jokes, with wisecracks and all that sort of stuff as well. Patients who are overjoyed, you need to scare them with threatening words about death or bad luck. Like you need to bring down their chi. So with overthinking, use anger to provoke the patient to get them back on track to sort of fire them up so that the chi can move. And if they're very afraid, then you have to use uh, thought and to sort of divert the patient's attention back towards another subject or to refocus their chi because they're so afraid that the chi is all kind of, it's gone. So you need to sort of redirect them to sort of treat the problem as Mm -hmm. well. And that kind of is that um, control cycle of the five elements. So yeah, just figuring out which emotion is associated with which element and then you can figure out which emotion will dominate that and help to bring that down or, yeah, bring that up again. So it's really yeah. interesting. Have you some, I don't know, some of the, I'm just going to add my thought in here mm-hmm. and not in the second part, but I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know if I could be that person that says all these like bitter or like painful words or like to scare the patient with like words about <laughs> death. I don't know if. I, yeah, as a practitioner can say that, like, uh, yeah. I, I, I know I, I can't agree with you, but I think you don't have to, it's how you sort of lay out the message. You don't have to be like, oh, look, um, if you don't listen to me, you're going to die. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, It's more like we don't want your condition to get worse, like going mm. into these, it starts to sort of spiral into this. We're not trying to go there, but you've kind of mm-hmm. mentioned it. So it's sort of at the top of their mind where they're like, yeah, oh my God, this could happen. But thank God, I, like I need to keep going with these treatments. Yeah, that's true. So you kind of mention what's kind of happening. And mm-hmm. if they continue to progress without proper care for themselves, it can happen to this death. Mm-hmm. No, probably not death, but like just worse conditions. <laughs> yeah. <And> that <laughs> mm-hmm. will kind of go into the top of their mind that, okay, I need to be serious now. I need to refocus my chi, for example. Mm-hmm. Or if they're overly angry, like a good one is the one that I can't kind of put my head around is like um, sadness with anger. Cause mm-hmm. I find it very hard to talk to people if they're so angry, what kind of words can you say to sort of bring on the sadness? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know either. Still trying to work that one out. Yeah. Same for me. I think, Another one is if you're not a comedian or a joker and you have to treat someone's sadness and you have to make a joke, you have to create a joke that they will actually find funny. Like mm. that's probably hard. I, I think even putting in the thought sometimes can count, even if you make like one of those dad jokes, but <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know. I guess it depends on your relationship with the patient as well. Like, yeah, I guess this is a good way to try and build rapport with them as well to yes. kind of bring them out of whatever emotion they're so focused on. Yep, exactly. And I think that's what they were trying to tell you with these is don't just focus on acupuncture and herbs, focus on looking where, how you can use your communication to sort of treat patients. Mm-hmm. That's kind of hitting that, um, that mystical God level of practitioner where <laughs> you're able to use your words to treat people's organs already. So mm-hmm. this is kind of the steps on how to do it, I guess. Yeah. I know it's very 
very interesting and we we will get there one day <laughs> yeah i feel like it's a journey it's a journey um it's either a journey or death <laughs> did it work am i doing it right uh sure yes <laughs> yeah that's a joke right, right? yeah <laughs> So should we move on to the next section? Yes, let's. Which is treating the the psychic souls. So the shen, the hun, the po, the yi, and the zhi. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure I butchered all of those. <laughs> it's fine. Probably better than me when I'm going to say it as well. <laughs> so I guess I'd like to ask you, Charlene, what, is your understanding of the shen like what have you understood now is it what is it like is after it? reading or before both or what reading. is it now yeah after reading the book what have you sort of learned from the past i feel like i know less because everything is maybe because we I, we haven't finished reading the book yet but it's so much more than i thought it was before it was just like um, the Shen, you know, like ha- has the connection to the emotions and it allows you to like think um, and to kind of have mental thoughts. But it's, yeah, understanding now that the Shen has like different aspects, which is the um, the Hun, the Po, the Yi and the Zhi is like, and how they interact is complicated. And uh, my brain is still kind of trying to map it all out. Um, so yeah, it does the whole, like, what we thought it did, mental thoughts, um, emotions, but it's also got, like, that yin and yang aspect and it, like, balances out and, yeah. Do it's... you mind to, like, elaborate? What do you mean the yin? The heart has a yin and a yang? What? <laughs> so you mean the shen has the yin the and The shen, sorry, the shen has the a yin and, yin and yang? Basically, like, different, um, the hun, the po, the yi, and the zhi, they are either, like, yin or yang, and they, like, balance each other um, out. So, actually, the shen can also be thought of, like, as vitality. So, um, yeah. how do I explain uh, vitality? I guess, for me, from what I've understood, is that there's two types of shen. There's the shen shen. And then there's the big house of the shens, right? So the shen resides in the heart, which is, it's kind of like planet earth. That's where your soul resides on planet earth. Uh, sorry. Planet earth is the house where your soul lives. And inside that house, there's different people running around that house, right? Uh-huh. So that house is your shen, which also has an actual shen guy inside that house as well. So... Let me explain a little bit. So <laughs> it, the Shen is kind of like the consciousness, the stuff that we learned from uni is that it has houses all the emotions. It's you pretty much mm-hmm. at the end of the day. It's the person who decides, the person who doesn't decide, the actions that they take. That's you. That's the Shen. Mm-hmm. That's your Shen, right? There's also the Shen that is sort of like the emperor of your house, of that house. He's kind of they're pretty much the person who runs the household. So they get influenced by the hun, the po, the yi, and the zi. So it's like the whole family is all annoying the dad. And then like, <laughs> you have two kids running around and the mom and yeah. everyone's yelling at him, no, you should do this, you should do this. And ultimately mm-hmm. at the end of the day, 
oh my god this is like a patriarchy anyway <laughs> different topic but uh it's pretty much like at the end of the day you're you the person who makes the decision or indecision is the shen and that will affect the whole household which is also the outer shen as well if that makes sense kind of yeah i think that is a very good like paints a good picture i guess to kind of go deeper into yes because what happens is they the shen combines both the hun and the po and integrates both the yi and the zi so what it means by that is that the hun which is normally the liver which is affected by the the liver organ contrasts with the pole so the hun and pole are sort of linked together it's the yin and yang side that you talked about before where it's that's that's what the shen has it's the hun which is the yang side uh proves as the the movement and the action giving something to rise to do something that's where the hun comes from and the paw, on the other hand, is not being able to move. It's the stillness. It's the yin. It's the nourishing. It's if the the hun is the external light, the paw is the internal light. If you have the hun, then the other thing is the paw. It's that whole yin yang balance that we've talked about so often as well. So, something that I really liked about the hun is that it follows the shen around. It's the little. In my in my picture of a stereotypical kind of family, it's the little boy following the dad. He can't go anywhere without the dad. And mm. when he walks, if the dad's gone to get milk and he doesn't come back, it leaves the hun shattered, uh, scattered, and it wanders mm. throughout without any direction as well. So when you have that wandering, um, you would want to treat the hun, and that will come by uh, not knowing what to do, it's like a scared little boy without his parents. It's like, what does he do? He doesn't know what to do and he can't go anywhere. Um, whereas the poor, which is the yin side, it's all about nourishing. So it's all about thinking, your imagination, the thought, the deep into thought. That all comes from the poor, which is the lung. Um, mm. You need that sort of ideas to think of things. And that's kind of where I think that's my understanding, at least where the poor comes from. It's like the, yeah. the little girl in the family where mm -hmm. she always brings thoughts of insight and sort of, hmm, but what about this then? You know, that sort of thing. That's where the sort of poor comes in. And that's mm -hmm. the organ for that one is lung as well. Yeah. Yeah. And the poor also um, kind of is how you view your body relating to the outside world as well. It allows you to kind of like perceive um, and to move and to like express yourself as well. Um, and I, I like the bit that's like um, about the liver and the eyes that the hun kind of like lives in the eyes during the day. And then in the night it resides in the liver. And when it resides in the eyes, then it helps you to see. And then when it resides in the liver, it dreams. So the dreams is there's the movement of the hun, but also the stillness of the paw because the body's still still, but like you're still, things are still moving because of dreams. 
And for me, that kind of helped to make that connection with the liver and the eyes and the dreams as well, because you learn in uni, um, the eyes are connected to the liver, dreams are connected to the liver, um, and that's just the way it is. There's not really any kind of further, deeper explanation, but I think the hun and the paw kind of connect all of these things together. Yes. And when, when you mentioned that, it kind of gave me the idea of how Western medicine when you're dreaming, you're in that rapid eye movement or REM mm-hmm. sleep, and that's mm-hmm. connected to the eyes when you're moving. So that also has that livery aspect as well. Mm-hmm. When you need that, um, you need that resting for the brain to process what you've done through mm-hmm. the day. From a Western med side, if that if yeah. you're not getting enough REM sleep, you often feel really tired. You feel like you didn't get any sleep. It's all connected to the liver as well. So I thought that's mm-hmm. very that's a d- very deep insight that you sort of added there. So I think. I want to cover now a little bit of the yi and the zi, which is kind of the other side of the hun and the paw. So the yi or the intent, as they mention in the book, is kind of the concept of sort of the reason why you have intentions and why you want to perform certain actions. So it's sort of placing significance behind doing certain actions like okay i need to wake up at seven o'clock because i can start my day early that sort of explanation why comes from the yi itself so it's giving purpose to the actions of why you're doing things uh whereas compared to the zi which is the will uh it's kind of being able to concentrate and having that determination perseverance that sort of stuff that you always see in those action movies of i need to keep going on i need to fight that comes from the zi and having the will willingness and the ability to continue performing actions or doing actions as well so you can't really have a will if you don't have the intent and you can't really have any intentions if you don't have the wills to perform it as well so that's the kind of yin yang side of that as well, where if there's no purpose, there's no point. And if you, but if there's no point, there's no, there's no intent, you know? Yeah. It's, I guess the yi, I think they talk about yi being the memory as well, like transferring kind of that thought into like the memory and then from that step it's the is that perseverance to like take that memory or take that thought to go further and then it kind of I think the ye also helps with perception over time so like grasping kind of reality and then like processing it to kind of make sure that you're keeping in line with reality I guess yes it's kind of like the whole ah I forgot to I'm not where I I think from one of the other books that were read, it's kind of like, oh, I, I just wore casual outfit to a funeral. It's like, mm, that's yeah. not really proportionate to how you're meant to be doing that. You're obviously something wrong with your yi because you're not coming in with the right purpose and your mm. intent is all wrong. Like it's all over the place. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just being like appropriate, I guess, with the time and space. Um, and then that the yi accumulates and that becomes the zhi, which is the accumulation of the the thought of being like, okay, I'm being appropriate now. And then that accumulates as the zhi, zhi. 
Yep. That's how you say it. I have no idea <laughs> <laughs> pronunciation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that helps with kind of pursuing your goals, um, initiating certain um, actions and things like that. And the jiu is um, related to the kidneys as well. So, and then the yi is the spleen. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Spleen. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I guess something that I also mentioned is sort of um, the food that you take and all the diet stuff between pre natal chi and postnatal chi also has a big influence on the chi as well and the yi just just because obviously the nutrients and all the jing that you're able to try and get helps nourish these kind of emotion uh, these shen souls or shen spirits into sort of becoming fully developed and having a fully grown and developed person as well mm-hmm. yeah i think the section on the yi and the chi was a lot shorter than the section on the Hun in the pole. Yeah, I I, yeah. I think so as well. It's either that or uh, we didn't get it's a full It's a lot simpler grasp. to grasp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's simpler to, like, grasp this one than, yes. than the other one. Yeah. I think the whole yin-yang part is very uh, – there's so much depth when it comes to yin and yang and the balance between – how that can help affect you psychosomatically. So I think with the intent and will, it's more like, oh yeah, I can see it. I can see why you want to do something and then actually having the follow through to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. So when you don't have those, it's like, oh yes, you totally, and lots of people can understand of, oh, I stopped doing this because I just didn't have the will anymore or I just couldn't find mm-hmm. value in doing it anymore. So I, I think, think that's, that's, we've done a good job, I think, of covering the first section of the book. We haven't really touched on any, treatments or any acupuncture or herbal stuff yet but i think that's all to come very soon yeah yeah i think i think even the first section has given us a lot to kind of think about and try to incorporate in our practices as well but the next parts kind of talk more about um the emotions and hate um and then it goes into a little bit um, about agitation and some like sin uh not symptoms, symptoms, is that the right word? Like yeah. insomnia, conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like manic depression and then classical syndromes as well. So it's more, a bit more um, about, I guess, the pathogens and symptoms and syndromes. Syndromes. Yeah, the more stuff relevant to sort of how do I treat these conditions once I've gotten a good understanding. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that sort of is a good segue into sort of rounding off this episode it's can't really give our views when we haven't really finished the book, but I've enjoyed the book so far. How are you finding the book in the yeah. first third? Yeah, it's very interesting. And it goes into um, a, a lot of topics that I didn't think it would go into. Um, and yeah, lots of kind of tips and insight so far. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to reading the next sections. So uh, I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to actually being able to try how to actually treat these people in case studies mm-hmm. and all that. Mm-hmm. This is the juicy stuff of <laughs> helping yeah. us as practitioners in that sort of regard that I'm looking forward yeah. to. So we hope this offers some insight for you into the first section of Shen um, from from us at Forever Young. Thank you for listening to Do With Us. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and join our Facebook group for any book discussions. And And we've been the Forever Young podcast and we'll read with you next time. Bye. Bye.